It's Tuesdays with Aaron. Here's Jason Wildey with Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers on ESPN Wisconsin. It is the Aaron Rodgers Show. Tuesdays with Aaron. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Time is short. We're running out of shows. Season's almost over. That song never gets old. Yeah? It's a great song. It is. Uh, it's a classic. I, I don't know if we pay royalties to them. but uh, Probably should. Maybe they should be happy that we're still using their stuff. Uh, how are you? Rested. Rested? That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, how's your calf? It's it's there. It's attached. Yep. You're wearing shorts today. I am, yeah. I thought I'd, oh, look at you, you are too. Nice. All Wisconsin. That's great. Yeah. Well, Scott Tolzien will be pleased. He complains and Sam Decker. Wisconsin stuff. What uh it is attached. How does it feel? It feels uh feels better. Yeah? Yeah, it feels better. Um see what happens this week. As far as practice reps, everybody's so concerned about them. Um <laughs> I'm not, and thank you. My teammates aren't either, but uh, we'd like to get out there at some point and uh, move around a little bit. It just depends on uh, on how it's feeling. Talk to, yeah, I've been talking with Doc every, you know, last week. Our trainers are, are awesome. We've been doing a lot of treatment and uh, um, got some acupuncture as well, which which always helps. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it feels uh, tomorrow and then make a judgment on uh, practice this week. Well, we we uh, we do care about your practice reps and the collective we. The collective we, well, I personally. Or we, the media. Um, I guess everyone yeah. does, except for apparently you and your teammates. Uh, but I'm going to get to that question because there's a. Tom Clements reminded me of an interesting story from a few years ago that uh, I want to ask about. Tom is wise. He is. Like a he shaman. doesn't really like us. The I'm shaman. Here to tell yep. you. <laughs> um, but Mike McCarthy had said last week that he didn't see you practicing until Thursday at the earliest. Yesterday there was a revision to that. Mike's got that ESPN, you know, you can see things yes. in the future. And then he said that you're going to be examined or meet with Dr. McKenzie tomorrow morning, and then you'll set the plan for the week. So are you thinking it's possible you could practice in some way tomorrow? There's always a chance. Jeez. I'm having flashbacks to last year with the collarbone. Are you really? <laughs> well, that was kind of the standard answer. Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm not sure. It just depends on uh, on how it's feeling uh, tomorrow. And okay, yeah. Um, I I realize that uh, I've asked over the last four years of this show my share of bad questions to you. I'm hoping this one isn't one of those. Um, but is it not as big of a deal? And it's I'm I'm not downplaying the significance of your injury. But would it be a bigger deal if it was your right calf? And you had to push off on it when you threw. I mean, is it is it a little less of an issue because of that, or am I asking a bad question? It's a hypothetical question, but you know how much I enjoy those. Um, I, I think that uh, the majority of my injuries I've sustained over my career have been to my left leg. Um, broken left foot, left knee surgeries, uh, left hamstring injury. And now left calf. Um, I can't say I've had a you know knock on wood. I, I haven't had a very significant injury to my right leg uh, during the, a football season. So uh, I would have a hard time actually answering okay. that with an intelligent answer, which I usually like to give semi-intelligent ones. Um, those. So I'm not exactly sure how that would affect it, um, because I do have to 
transfer weight from the right side to the left side, and the left side takes the initial, um, and the shotgun takes the initial weight of the first step, the punch step, and the shotgun that we that uh, that we take is on the left foot, um, and then obviously the crossover step um, is an important one on okay. the left foot. Now the right is the anchor uh, foot, but. Um, no, it's hard to say unless I sustain, and hopefully I never do, a significant injury on the right side. Do you have any theory on why you've had such, if you were to have bad luck with injuries, they've been on the left leg? It was your right shoulder. <laughs> True, yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> I first injured my knee when I was 15 years old. Um and I think there's a connection between uh, between those things. It's never, it hasn't really been right since then. Um, so I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if there is a, a connection uh, between uh, those injuries. I, I mentioned the shoulder, and that was what uh, I ended up talking with Tom Clements about this week. So I'm, I'm curious what your recollections are from that period after you injured your throwing shoulder against Tampa for the next month. Because I remember the story, and, and it was impressive how well you played against Atlanta after you had to go down to the Hudson Center that morning and convince them to let you play with the harness. But I guess I had forgotten, you basically didn't practice for that whole month, Tom said. How did that impact you as a first-year starter and as someone who, as Mike McCarthy said yesterday, really believes in the importance of practice and the value of practice? Well, I played pretty good in three of the games. Right. Um, that I, as I remember, um, but the problem was I just couldn't throw. I was in uh, so much pain, especially during the weeks. Uh, I just I, I wasn't able to uh, to get through a practice and to make the throws. Uh, and as the pain in my shoulder started to go away, the tendonitis uh, in my in my shoulder crept up, and it was uh, as painful trying to trying to push through that. But um, yeah, it was, it was it was a month of not really doing a whole lot of throwing, except on you know maybe a little bit on Friday and then on game days. Uh, as we practiced back on, on Fridays uh, the, in, in 2008, uh, it affected me more as a young starter because the more reps you take, uh, you know, the, the better you're going to play. And, and the more looks you get at something, certain plays or defenses, obviously the better you're going to play. Um, as I'm in my seventh year starting, tenth year in the league, um, I think those reps become a little bit less important um, as far as being able to, to play well on, on Sunday without practicing. Um, I love the practice because I love the competition. I love being out there and be able to make some of the checks you're going to make on, on game days. I, I talk all the time about how to have to have faith in a guy, to, to be able to trust the guy to play well on Sundays, you got to see it in practice, and, and that's, the, that's the case. You want to see the young guys making plays and doing things off of checks you make or, or off of just plays we're putting in that week, and you want to see them doing that. Um, so you have that confidence when you break the huddle uh, or when that play comes in, the, the first thing that comes to your mind is Richard made a good, you ran a good route on Wednesday on this play and made this catch, or Devontae, you know, ran a, a great adjustment on this play uh, and, and made this play in practice. So that when I'm, when the ball's about to be snapped, you have that picture in your mind, and you, and uh, and that's a positive um, image that uh, that you can uh, attach to that play. Uh, because I, you know, I'll be limited in my practicing this week. Um, you know, just gonna have to get it done in other ways, which we've done in the past. You know, in the walkthrough, in the uh, the film review with the guys, continuing to let my voice be heard, and then in the uh, in the meetings as we go through the the plan, just uh, putting my uh, my little stamp on things and giving guys the things to expect. So it's more about getting the vibe from 
those guys from what you see from them at this point in your career than it is about needing the actual reps for you to feel good about what you're going to run because you've run most of that stuff? As far as it pertains to me, yes. For okay. them, they obviously need uh, need reps with me because then they can get a, a confidence in, in uh, when the ball is going to come out and uh, what spot I like to put it in. But, um, you know, for, for this week, uh, they probably, you know, and, and the Lions week, you know, you just didn't get a – didn't get a whole lot of that. So what did you notice that didn't go the way you wanted it to, or how did it, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about how not heroic, whatever word we're using, it was for you to come back the way you did. Um, but we didn't really talk about how adversely affected you were during the week because you didn't practice a whole heck of a lot going into the game to begin with. So what did you find was the biggest issue for you with your limited practice time? Last week, before you or two weeks ago, before you played the Lions, the stuff you're talking about there. Yeah, it wasn't anything mentally. It was just the physical part. Just I knew going in, I wasn't going to be able to do a whole lot. Um, went out, actually, did something I haven't done in a while. I went out uh, for pre pregame warmups and just uh, w- with my uh, with my cleats on and, and just threw the ball around a little bit with uh, with Matt and uh, and Luke uh, Getzey. Uh, and it wasn't a whole lot. It was just kind of. Feeling the surface and feeling how my cap was responding to that. Now, once you know, once the adrenaline gets going, you're going to get a little bit of a boost. Uh, and was able to actually um, have a little bit of a run there when they played two man and get about uh, I think 11 or 13 yards, and then slide, um, you know, in in plenty of time. I don't think that affected the injury. The, the injury was making a quick movement in the pocket and just not having the uh, the strength um, in that calf to to withstand the the pressure that I put on that leg as I as I moved to my right, um, and that was that was just the case. So uh, unfortunately, uh, it gave out on me on the on the outside, and then uh, I was even more limited. I'm glad you told that story because I was down on the field before the game, and I I thought I was crazy thinking that I had never seen you do that before. That was it. Been years, yeah, actual years. Okay, yeah. good. I appreciate you telling that story. Uh, last thing about the calf, and then I'll. I appreciate you your appreciation there, and I. <laughs> that's a that's a cat pig line and that's a Tauscher shout out. Okay. That's well, one of you know, sometimes your sense of humor can be hard to get. Yeah. Yeah. Um so esoteric. Uh, uh, um is the biggest concern for you now not whether or not you're going to be ready to play obviously, but worrying about having it go on you again in the game? That's not a concern. Um if it happens, it happens. It's just that's at that point's out of my control. I got to get myself in, in the in the best uh, position to uh, to play, and then realize uh, whatever limitations I might have moving. Um, maybe I won't have any. Maybe we'll get to Sunday and I'll feel great, yeah. um, or maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll be very limited. But it just depends on uh, on how I'm feeling uh, this week, and uh, we'll adjust accordingly. Um, and and do you feel like you're better now at um, because you've been dealing with it? mentally knowing where the line is you said i asked you this last week and you said well pain is kind of the pain talks to you but isn't it a little bit too late once the pain hits you like don't you have to know before you experience real pain that you're pushing it too far like i the part of and i don't mean this in any other way other than it's the truth you're good at a lot of things okay great arm great mind, all these things. But one of the things that you're best at is extending the play and making things happen that aren't necessarily in the play as it's drawn up. 
and the guy's making second reactions. I don't understand how somebody who's so good at that and has it come so naturally to them then prevents himself from doing it. How do you do it? How do you prevent yourself from doing what comes so naturally to you and you're so good at? You just feel the pain when you start doing those things and you stop. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's a mindset. I think going in, you have to you have to adjust, and that uh, will probably, you know, come with age as well. Realizing I can't maybe run as fast. Now, hopefully, it doesn't get to that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to try and keep myself in such great shape. But the natural progression of uh, of life would would you would assume that that I will be a little less mobile as the years go on. Hopefully, that doesn't start until 35 or six or seven, maybe. But um, 43. Yeah, you never know. Uh, let's play twelve more years. <laughs> uh, but you just have to, you have to go in uh, being a little smarter. I think. Um, I didn't feel like moving to the right there was gonna uh, was gonna pop it again. But uh, uh, but it did, and uh, came back, and didn't have to move at all. Okay. Um, I I was at an event last night uh, in Kohler with Eddie Lacy, and by the way, the for those of you listening, the Wisconsin Sports Awards are set for May 7th, and they're going to be in Kohler, so mark that down All right. on your calendars. I wasn't necessarily talking to you specifically. I know you're a big Wisconsin Sports Awards guy, and everyone's very excited when you're there, but I was more letting everyone know. Cause I was Just excited about the new format. Uh, Whatever that, that might the be. the the entire time? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that might be. Um, well, you better have your jokes ready. Um but what, Eddie told this really good story uh, about the Baltimore game, and it was meant as a illustration of your mental aptitude. He said, you're handing off the ball to him, and as you're handing him the ball, you're telling him... You got that's safety. The, yes, that's the story he told. That happens from time to time, yeah. So... Can, and folks can read about it at ESPNWisconsin.com, and the podcast is there as well. But from your perspective, can you tell us that story? Because I thought that was really neat. Well, the, you know, I think in, in when you become an expert of the offense, uh, it's more than just the uh, X's and O's of the uh, receivers uh, and, the, and the guys running routes. It's What I love is, is understanding blocking schemes because then you can really – uh, play the the chess game of trying to get your team in the best play scenario or a, a really good play scenario, and then there's times where, uh, as the ball is snapped, uh, you see a flash. You know, you see just kind of flashes of uh, a safety rolling down, a corner coming, a linebacker scraping, various things. And there's been times where, based on the uh, the scheme of that run play, uh, I just will give them a reminder. Um, you know, you've got the safety. Dennis. The safety is unblocked. Meaning he's, he's the one yours. you've got to beat. He's the free hat. He's the free player who's uh, who's unblocked in the play. And that'll happen from time to time. I've, I don't know what else. I've said some other things to him. Over, you know, um, I think I've said, you know, go outside maybe or uh, <laughs> cut back. Um, but with Eddie, you know, he's so smart and such a, uh, just a natural running back. You don't really have to tell him anything but uh, um, because he's, you know, 99 out of 100, he's going to make the right cut. But uh, every now and then, I think to remind him of that is, is something that uh, doesn't hurt. Was uh, was it your guy James ahead of bowl? Probably was. Okay. Um, I just I thought that was a fun story. And he, he's he's becoming a very good I, storyteller. By the way, James ahead of bowl, I, I, he was a captain. We played Detroit. And I said his last name. 
And I just want to verify that I said it right. And he said, yeah, it was perfect. Oh, good. So we had a little exchange there. Good, because a year ago, you wouldn't even say his name because you couldn't quite. I didn't want to mess it up. Right. Yeah. You you knew how to say Matt Elam's name, though, when you were telling him what you thought of his hit on Randall Cobb. Yeah. Uh, There was another thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that was, um, and you've said this before, uh, and I, I love it. I think it's a great quote about how you earn your paycheck in the regular season um, and you write your legacy in the postseason. You were... Let's paraphrase, but go ahead, yeah. Uh, well, what's the direct... Can, I don't know. I want to get it right. Much like Something James like Ahedabo's name, I'd like to get it correct. That's close enough, yeah. No, come on. What is it? I think... What did you say? <laughs> I don't think I'd said anything. <laughs> Wait a minute. You told me that I misquoted it and you didn't even hear me? I wasn't listening. Okay. that's. Well, I was distracted by this picture that, that uh, Madison drew. It's very good. Um, I said that you said that you earn your paycheck in the regular season and you write your legacy in the postseason. I don't, I don't think I said write. Okay, so what create. do you, you Create. Cement. Like cement. Okay. Whatever Grow. the case is, it, the postseason is about your legacy. Yeah. Um, you had the incredible Super Bowl run in 2010. Um, what do you think your postseason legacy says right now, and how do you view the last few postseasons? Well, not good enough. Yeah, not not good enough. We've uh, won in three since then, um, and two of them at home. Uh, we lost at uh, San Fran, and we lost to San Fran and the Giants at home and beat uh, Minnesota at home um, in a game I think most people think we should have won because uh, um, their uh, starter was out. But, uh, but yeah, we haven't we haven't played good enough. I think uh, I think we've learned a lot since then. I think you know it's a different team this year. Um, you know, so this is not the same team that uh, that lost San Fran last year. This is a, a different team. You know, it's it's a different group of guys, a different attitude. I think we're uh, in years past playing at home has not meant the same thing in the playoffs as it does this year. I, I think we have not played like this at home in any of my years. Uh, to where there's a a palpable feeling of uh, uh, of dominance at home that we just feel like when we step on the field, we should win the game. Uh, and and it's a it's a mindset that I think you you know the great teams in this league have that mindset. I guarantee you, Seattle has that mindset. When they step on their their home field, they think nobody can beat us. And uh, it's a combination of a, a belief and a confidence, and also an advantage that you can gain from your crowd or from the elements. And I think we have uh, uh, with the renovations that we've done and the kind of crowds we've been getting, we have uh, an incredible opportunity to have that kind of. Uh, um, advantage at home that you really desire uh, in the playoffs. Uh, and uh, we've been playing really well at home. Dallas have been playing great on the road. They haven't lost on the road all season. So they won at Seattle. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great matchup. What about you personally? I mean, I know the expectations you have and where the bar is set. You look at your numbers; they're not your typical numbers. How do you feel about how you've played and how well do you have to play? on Sunday and during this playoff run personally? Yeah, I mean, I, I have high expectations every time I take the field, and I think most people do of me, and and that's uh, that's how I want it. Uh, you know, I don't. the bar has been set high, and uh, nobody's going to apologize for setting it, and I'm not I'm not sorry for the bar being up there. I, I, I love an expectation of, uh, of greatness because that's what I expect of myself every time I take the field. And I know my teammates expect me to play well, so I go into the game expecting to play well. And excited about the opportunity to uh, 
to be a guy that my teammates can count on. And I know that uh, everybody has their role, and my role is an important one, just like the other, uh, you know, 40, 45 guys are going to be suiting up. And we all uh, believe in each other, and, and we need to, we need each other to, to hold the rope, as we used to say at Cal. Just do your part. Oh, I like that. Is that a Tedfordism? No, it was a Kevin Parkerism. Kevin Parker. KP. I need to track him down. Do you watch the Cal games on TV? He's always the guy holding up the rope. Hold really? the rope. Yeah. But uh, it's a good uh, good analogy for I doing, like it. doing your part. Everybody uh, everybody uh, in in the same thing together and uh, holding on to the rope together. So I was reading Mike Silver's piece on you at uh, NFL.com, which I thought was fabulous. It just goes to show you that You were Mike, reading? I, I was. No. I, I read a lot. Maybe not as much as you, but I do read a lot. Yeah, I haven't been reading a whole lot. This uh, I, I needed to set. I needed to set a new uh, New Year's resolution. The year I did set that I wanted to read a book a month. I got close. I'm very proud of myself. Yeah, ten. I think I was at nine. Okay, that's pretty good given your schedule. Yeah, it's like seven or eight until football season. And the only one during the season is tough. Well, it was nice to see Mike do something other than give his WTF reaction to the. It's still, I think, his proudest moment, and he's accomplished a lot. But I thought his story was great about you. But there was an anecdote in there that I had never heard Uh-oh. about you on your way to Mexico to build houses. Yeah. And if you haven't read this, I tweeted out the link. Do yourself a favor and read it. There's some great stuff in there. He tracked down Seneca Wallace, who was very interesting to read. Um, but I thought that that anecdote was really interesting. It kind of reminded me of your uh Cal, what was it? Uh, nutrition was that the class? Or Food appreciation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great class. Um, yeah. Uh, after all the time that we've talked about chips over the years, and I know you hate it when I bring up the chip on your shoulder. Hey, I don't use that word. Dislike. Okay. Sorry. Um, There's a song. Have you heard the song? Hate is a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like you. <laughs> Interesting song. I don't use the word hate. Is is it? Is, do they play that right after the baking soda song, or is that a different? They might. Yeah. No, that's a, it's an old. It's an older song, actually. Okay. Um, I guess I'm wondering. You still have those stories to share with people. They don't necessarily motivate you to this point. You know, kids in a van saying you're never going to be an NFL player or whatever it might be. Um, so, is there? What's what's the motivation now? More than external is it internal more often than not uh, yeah it's definitely uh what is that what are you you're... i just got a funny a funny text message uh, <laughs> but uh there's a couple of people listening to the show so i just got a message a live live message about the show so um it's definitely uh yeah it's definitely internal. You know, stories, conscious now it's not about you just okay stop but uh yeah, stories like that. I think when you're young and, and really impressionable in high school, you know, those are really important years as you develop your your ego and your sense of self and your self esteem and stuff. And that uh, that story meant a lot to me, not in a negative way, but but a time where I just really felt like, you know what, I'm I believe in my dreams and I'm going to go get them. And it doesn't matter what you or anybody else say about it, because the most important thing is that I believe that I can do it. And that's what stuck with me more than anything. You know, I couldn't tell you who said it or what mile marker we were at on i5 as we went down there but um but it, it's moments like that i think that, that, that especially as a kid that you really can hold on to as moments of like you know what that moment i remember when i was thinking i was thinking i'm gonna do this just watch yeah that was i just i thought that was really cool all right let's go uh let's go inside the helmet 
not over what you did last week because you didn't have a game last week. So how, why are we doing this segment then? I thought we because I wanted to ask you what your favorite plays of the season were. You played 16 games. I know you've got the biggest games ahead, but were there a couple of plays that stand out for you? Because you can recall just about every play you ran, all thousand of them or whatever it is. Um, are there some favorites that stick out for you? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, the Miami game has a, has a couple favorites. Um, the first touchdown was a check that we hadn't talked about before. But it was a check we hadn't planned. But we hadn't talked about it at all. And and uh, I actually went to that check. And it's just it's so it's fun when you can get 11 guys on the same page, even when it's something that you haven't really all talked about at the same time. Now, maybe I talked to the receivers about it, but, but you know, hadn't had the line in there, the back, and the receivers all in there at the same time. And be able to make that check and, and throw a touchdown to Jordy was was, uh, was fun. It's just little moments like that. I remember a moment we played in Detroit back in, in uh, I think it was 08, and I, and I threw a touchdown to Donald, and he actually was supposed to be running a, uh, a corner route on the play. But they brought an all-out pressure and actually kind of dropped him. And he, at about seven or eight yards, just kind of turned around at the at the perfect time. And I threw it to him as as like a hot route, and he caught it for a touchdown, kind of in between two guys. And it was those are the moments where it's like ah, oh, you know, just to be on the same page without really talking about something. That's when the game gets really fun. You know, the throw to on the same note, the the, the fake spike to Devonte, for him to have the presence of mind to have his eyes on me and then get out of bounds uh, was great. And then the final play of that drive to, to Corliss, not having thrown him that specific throw, uh, you know, in a live game before, but to have him on the same page as far as what type of ball would be coming, uh, that's when that's when the game gets really fun because it's, it's that unspoken communication where guys are dialed in and in the moment, the, the most important moments of the game, uh, they can still have their focus tight enough to, uh, to do exactly what you think they're going to do. And that's when the game gets so much fun. Was, um, we always talk about the Chicago game after the relaxed comment, et cetera, and that's starting your run of all the success you had after the one and two start. But was that Miami game really important? Looking back on it now, that, yeah, because that was a good football team. You know, they they didn't finish the way they wanted to, but uh, but that was a solid defense. Brent, I was excited for him to to get the Pro Bowl, and I think he got a second team All Pro. Brent Grimes, is mm-hmm. that right? Um, he had a great season. Um, they have a lot of really talented guys on that defense, and the offense actually looked like it got better as they went on. Um, but in that environment, you know, with the kind of heat that was down there and the way that we battled in the last four minutes getting ten points was great. Um, on, the, on the same line, a play that will never be uh, in the stat book, but the touchdown to Devontae against Chicago um, was uh, was one of my favorites um, as the ball kind of fluttered in the air. And I think everybody on the sideline went, no, no, no. And then he caught it for a touchdown, kind of back left in the end zone. That all that got wiped out by a, uh, right. a holding call by um, by our center there, um, which he's still upset about. I don't think I don't think it was holding. Um, but, he, uh, he well now. You, I just I, think it was the overwhelming strength of Corey Lindsley. But he tells a great story about that. That then, what, what was it? A couple of weeks later, where he's almost in the exact same position on what turns out to be another touchdown. And that time he lets the guy go instead of driving him into the turf. Minnesota, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a guy who learned from that moment. Is he, uh, of the guys that, and I know you love all your teammates, but what he has done this year, maybe what Latroy Guillaume has done 
um, stepping in for B.J. Raji. Have there been some guys that you look at and say, we all had our part, we all held the rope, but these guys, it was really important for them to, to grab onto the rope. Are there guys that really surprised you and helped this team get to where it is? I'm not surprised, maybe, but uh, guys I was really proud of. And there's a number of guys who've stepped up and played great roles for us. Corey Lindsley, um, you know, ha-ha Clinton Dix has had a really good season for us. Morgan Burnett's had a great season. Um, Sam Barrington, has, you know, has come from a guy who was just playing a little bit on the special teams, and now he's playing a good role for us, and he's done a great job. Uh, obviously, Richard Rodgers and Devontae Adams, the, the efforts they've made. John Kuhn, I think, has had a phenomenal season, and uh, I'm really proud of him and the, and the, the accolades he's uh, He's been given, I think, are well-deserved. Regardless of, of the role of fullback in the game anymore, um, he deserves the recognition that he's gotten. But Latroy Guyon is one of my all-time favorite teammates. And that takes a lot for me to say because he's only been with us for a little bit of time. But uh, there's things about his personality that really remind me of Johnny Jolly. And I love Johnny. Johnny was uh, was such a great uh, teammate and uh, an incredible, incredibly charismatic locker room presence. Um, and everybody who was around Johnny, he always enjoyed the stories and his energy and, and just the way that he had a passion for football. And I always appreciate that about Johnny. And LaTroy brings the same kind of passion. From the first day he got here, there was just an excitement about being in Green Bay. And, and just he kind of felt like this was a great opportunity for him to fit in and for him to be a part of something special. And he is he's uh, he battled through a time where you didn't know if he was going to make the team with right. his he with didn't his practice most of training with his camp. hamstring, and he's become uh, an important player for us. And more importantly, he's really kind of brought more of himself to the table. He's 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 made some uh, some great pregame speeches. He's he's. Uh, He's practiced really well all year. He's he's just brought it every single day, and he's got an infectious personality that uh, the guys really latch onto. Not to mention his incredible uh, style that he brings to the post uh, the, the the way the way trip flights. Um, but Latroy has been a great addition to our team, and as has Julius. You know, Julius is such a, a steady guy, and uh, it's it's a fun team. It it, it reminds me uh, the personalities we have reminds me of. Uh, a few teams ago with the, just the diverse uh, personalities that we have and how it all has really melded together this year. And we hope it uh, keeps going. All right, let's talk about the Cowboys, and then we'll get to your favorite part of the show, the Ask Aaron questions. Um, you know, you I don't know how much prep you did expecting it to be the Cowboys since they were the logical team to advance and play you. Um, but Logical? Yeah, they're the three seed. You expect right, the three Spock. seed to win at home. Um, but w- what do you see... Uh, is there any value to whatever prep work you did helping Matt last year get ready for them in that game? And just where is your where's your view of the Cowboys as you get ready for them? Well, that's a great football team. Yeah, I think they've had a great season. They won 12 regular season games, and um, they won at Seattle, a big win up there. They got you know, a number of guys have had great seasons. You just look at the offense. Obviously, DeMarco had an incredible year, and he played through a broken hand. Tony had, I think, his best year statistically uh, this year. Des Bryant is, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal season. The yards and touchdowns he put up. Um, the offensive line, I think, has three Pro Bowlers. Um, the right guard, uh, you know, seems had a really, really good season. The center is from Wisconsin, I believe. Had, yes. had a big year. Tyron Smith is a talented guy, but they played really well up front, and that's that's kind of been their calling card, protecting Tony and then opening up holes for, for DeMarco. And then off of that, you know, obviously the play action. On defense, they have a – 
I think there's a term they call it like we fence. Is that right? Uh, they've called themselves where they, they don't believe that there's maybe a big name on there, but they play really well together. Um, it was I think it was on the broadcast. Uh, so it's it's a town, a group. I mean, these guys. You know, DeMar- DeMarcus Ware left, who's a future Hall of Famer, uh, in the offseason. And uh, I think, uh, and then a couple of the corners, I believe, uh, got hurt. Um, and uh, Sean Lee got hurt as well. Uh, but they've replaced them with guys who really uh, play well together. And it's a talented group. Uh, McLean has had, you know, off of retirement, has, has had a really good season. Bruce Carter, I think, has five interceptions, which is really impressive. Hitchens is a, is a very talented linebacker. They bring in some sub-situations. Defensive line is very active. And it's not guys you're going to, like, there's not a huge name recognition. Uh, but that doesn't matter to them. They they play really well together, and, they, and they're relentless, as you saw uh, late in that game, uh, the pass rush they put on. Right. But on the back end, it's guys who are playing really well together and who play their roles really well. Uh, obviously, no Skandrick and Carr from from uh, from the years that we played against them. Uh, the safeties are playing really well, Wilcox and Church. Um, they just, you know, Rod Marinelli's defenses have always been very fundamentally sound. Good tacklers. They're in the right place at the right time. They don't uh, have missed assignments. And uh, they all play really, really well together. So it's it's a Rod Marinelli defense, and they're active up front, and they're very talented on the back end. Let's get to the Ask Aaron questions. We're running out of season, so make them good. Hashtag Ask Aaron on Twitter. I, 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 I seriously, hashtag, hashtag. Um, I may have gotten 50 different versions of questions about the Wall Street Journal story about your sense of humor. Uh, I tried to narrow it down. The other questions I got a bunch about were the weather. Um, so, Anna or Anna, conversation if, started. If you're a uh, fan of the Frozen uh, films, uh, she gets the first crack. Is it Anna in the Frozen films? It is. Yes. Okay. Um, what is your reaction to the Wall Street Journal article, and who is your favorite comedian? I love Brian Regan. Okay. I've seen him. I think five times in, in concert. And he's played here a few times. Yeah, I've seen him at the at the Meyer before. Uh, Brian is amazing. Um, I love his uh, his comedy. Um, I grew up actually uh, watching the Kings of Comedy, and uh, interesting. Yeah, and I've been able to see uh, Cedric uh, in person. Um, Steve Harvey hosts the uh, Family Feud now. He does, and he has his own show, and I think he's really funny. Um, but. Uh, yeah, the article, uh, I'm not quite sure what the intent was on it. I can pick it apart a little bit, but I think the basis is that I'm totally fine and comfortable having an esoteric sense of humor. Um, and what what DC, what Darren Collins said about it, is actually a compliment, that my, my humor is algebra too. I've long been a fan of uh, Wes Anderson films. And Wes Anderson has a really dry, intelligent sense of humor. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Life Aquatic. And you could watch that movie, and, and uh, for someone who doesn't have a dry sense of humor, probably wouldn't laugh the entire movie. But the humor, I think, is so subtle and uh, uh, and deep that it, it's, to me, it's one of the funnier movies ever made. And I enjoy uh, all of his films. Uh, I love The Princess Bride as well. Uh, I can't remember one time that I've ever quoted it in the locker room. Um, but th- this story was written, not sure what the intent was, but the only question that this that person asked me yeah. was, what's, what's one of my favorite lines from Princess Bride? So I told him the interaction between Vizzini and Wesley as he is trying to take Buttercup 
and they're going through the fact that Mancini is no match for the Dread Pirate Roberts um, physically, but mentally he can take him. And so I said that line, and uh, he wrote the article. I'm not sure what the intent was. Well, yeah, I, I guess. But and, I, and I, I talked to Kevin when he was here, and I really like Kevin. So I'm not. I would never criticize another journalist's approach. I thought it was an actually a really good idea when he told me what he's doing because I think you're pretty funny. Now I'd like to think that I'm reasonably intelligent, so I am able to get some of your comedy. But I guess my only thing is, is you also like some stupid humor too. I do. I mean. There, there's as smart as you are. There's some stuff that you laugh at that some might call, you know, lowbrow humor, right? I mean, you're you're not what are a, we talk, like Anchorman, Anchorman, yeah, too? like that, you know, yeah, old school, I love all that movies. kind old of stuff. School, yeah. You like Will Ferrell, so Dumb and Dumber, one right. and two. I haven't seen two. To to yeah, am I it's missing good. anything? I think it's good. Yeah, I heard bad reviews. Well, but not from you. Okay. Not from me. You won't get a bad review from me. All right, so. Uh, Rachel asks... Let me just finish that out by saying, the the part about JFK's middle name, I'm funnier than that. That was not used as a joke. Okay, that was I don't know what the point of that was. Well, let me... All right, because you've talked about that before on the show, your Saturday presentation. Um, and I know that you used the photo that we unearthed on this show of Jerry Fontenot with Nickelback yeah. at one point. Apparently, it wasn't clear enough that it was Jerry and Nickelback, so it didn't get the reaction you wanted, correct? But that's okay. You're okay with that? That's what esoteric humor is all about. But what's what What exactly is this Saturday thing that you do? Because you do it every week, and I know that you put some real effort into it, whether it's about the humor or the message or whatever. What exactly is it? I think the Saturday meeting is like the locker room, that... Like pregame, I don't think there should be cameras and stuff in there. Pregame, I think as far as the Saturday meeting goes, it is just a meeting where I will talk about some of the checks this week. We'll give the guys some reminders, and then every now and then I'll put some funny stuff up there to make them laugh. And over the years, the videos that I've uh, labored out of a labor of love on my Mac with my iVideo have been a blast, and the guys have loved them. And I've shown clips that no one's ever seen before of teammates or coaches. Um, I did a segment for years about Man of the Week and would show some unflattering photos of different players on the team. That was mentioned every in the now story. And then. Yep. Uh, I often show unflattering photos of myself. Uh, and videos that uh, I'm not the proudest of uh, on there because I think in order to be funny you have to be able to laugh at yourself. And so, what's the point of that? The I'm, point you is you have it Saturday morning. This is Saturday morning. The point, yeah. The point is is uh, is after a long week of preparation that's very serious uh, to give them a serious, but then also kind of bring it back home that uh, that we should be able to laugh laugh together and, and take off some of the the edge that is. Uh, a uh, a very uh, uptight, focused week yeah. of preparation. Okay, cool. I've always wondered about that. Uh, Rachel says, I salute your Princess Bride obsession. Will you share that with your kids someday? Is that a uh, film that stands the test of time? Because I mean, you I, don't have any kids right now. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a it's a great, uh, great film. I'm excited to read the, Carrie's new book. Is that out now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you don't called, already have uh, it? I have it, yeah. Okay, it's called as it. it's called as you wish, right? Stories from the uh, mm-hmm. Princess Bride. It's twenty five years now. 
Yeah. Crazy. So when did you see it? Because then you would have been you wouldn't have seen it when you were six. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, seven or eight, probably. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, it's, it's it's you know it's one of those movies. One of the first movies you see is always something that kind of sticks with you, whether in a good way or a bad way. Another movie I saw at a young age was the Land, um, Never Ending Story, okay. which is like in in the kids' mind that movie goes on forever. It well, probably it, does. It, it feels like the Never Ending Story. But it was one of those movies that creeped me out. Okay. Something about the dog or weird. It's just you know. So it was that movie that kind of creeped me out, and then there's Princess Bride that I loved. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, that's how I am with Rocky IV. Mm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the weather. Uh, ben wants to know, do you actually like playing in the cold weather, or is it something that you have to embrace playing in Green Bay? And then Dan asks a similar question where he says, assuming no one really enjoys playing in the cold, do you still prefer cold weather games because it gives you an advantage? Yeah, I mean... I enjoy the the weather up here. I think it gives us an advantage. Um, you know, when you when it's this cold, you don't do a whole lot outside in general. So, so my exposure to the cold, much you know, much like my teammates, I'm sure, is is just the uh, the few minutes, the, the few hours uh, every week that we're outside playing. So, yeah, and you walk can, into your car. Yeah, and walk into your car. So, I think it gives us it can give us an advantage for sure. But. Uh, not a humongous advantage. The bigger advantage is if our crowd is as loud as uh, we hope it is, and um, bring it, get loud, Lambo. Yeah. Uh, how did you think they did with their uh, get loud Lambo awesome. campaign? And awesome. what do you need from them this week? We need that performance. Uh, you know, if not slightly more amplified, nice and loud. Okay. From the first play to the last. Uh, another weather sort of historical question: Have you ever actually seen the ice bowl? That's from Brandon. I've seen clips from it, yeah. Yeah. And I've and I've heard Bart talk about it in person a couple times and it's fascinating. Yeah. He talked about it at the uh, at the Mac Fun at event. the Mac Fun event and I also did another event with him where he told some similar stories. But uh hearing you know, hearing Bart talk about it is just is so incredible when you're a fan of the history of the game. Right. You know, everybody's seen the probably the clips of him coming over and talking to Vince and, and they had a couple plays stalled and he just couldn't get it back to the to the running back. They couldn't get their footing. Um but when he tells it, it's you know when when Bart tells it, it's pretty special. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, all right, I don't know I'll, how they did it without you know modern warming technology. That that had to be uh, brutal. And kudos to the fans who stuck around too, because that had to be even more yeah. brutal. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't have the technology in terms of clothing and stuff like that to keep you warm either. Uh, a couple more, and then we'll let you go. Travis says, uh, "Would you be interested in subbing in my for my curling team sometime after you win the Super Bowl?" <laughs> Uh, I've had a couple uh, tries at curling, and uh, I actually retired from curling. I enjoy watching on TV during the Olympics because it gets so amped up, uh, especially the uh, the pusher. Once they let it go, the yelling is uh, awesome to me. I think, but uh, <laughs> I, but no, I'm not. A, I'm not going to. Apparently, Gruden uh, went curling when he was here for your Monday night game. Wes Hodkowitz, who's sometimes in your locker room went along with him so really if you ever want to go curling again apparently uh, gruden would take you uh come more. i like these offbeat questions lucas says with your ability to recall formations plays in different situations are you a good card counter in vegas no is that illegal you're not allowed to do yeah that, right? it's illegal <laughs> but you could do it right i mean mentally you would be capable of it i don't know i I've, i would no? have to to pull a zach galifianakis and uh, read up on it um as he did in the, in Hangover there. Right. I, was, um, I, I got that reference. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, but no, I don't even know the first thing about it. Uh, Keith says, have you ever seen a pass interference call like the Dallas Lions one before, and do you think some calls like that should be reviewable? Well, it's a, it wasn't a pass interference call. It was a no call. Well, it was and a pass interference okay. call, and then it was uh, it was announced even, and then it was a no call, which I don't know if I've seen that quite yeah. before. I'm a you know I'm a traditionalist as far as rule interpretations. Other than the, I think instant replay is great. And I know Mike Ditka I never liked it, and for years didn't uh, uh, he didn't recognize the win at the, the 1989 uh, game here. Yes, right. Um, you are a historian. Look at you, Don Mikowski. Magic, got to see Magic a couple weeks ago. Man. I always enjoy seeing him. Um, Did you get to see Flanny and uh, Rivera yeah, when they were here? Yes, yeah, I'm Marco and Flanny before the game. That was fun. I didn't play with. Uh, with Marco, but I've gotten right. to Marco a little bit over the years, and Flanny was great when I came in when I was a rookie, and he was uh, uh, kind of his last stint with us in yeah. 05. Uh, he I, was talk- great. I talked to both of them on the phone before the show, and they remain two of my favorite people to cover. They really are fun. Yeah, they had a, they had a great crew there, didn't yeah. they, for a while. And, uh, well, you got a pretty good crew now, too. Oh, I love our crew now. Um, I don't know what the question was. Uh, the pass interference. Yeah, you pass you interference. Traditionalist. Yeah, uh, I think if you start replaying some of those calls, uh, it just takes out it takes out kind of the human error that we've had in our in our game, the, the judgment calls, uh, because then somebody else is is actually it's not much of a difference. You're still making a judgment call right. uh, up in the booth. Um, you know, I like the replay in baseball. I guess that's a good thing at first base, especially with some of those calls. Um, but I think you have to be careful how much uh, how much you do there. Although I think the refs should be held to a, a high standard, and I I don't know about the All Star crews um, when you put if they haven't worked together. I just wonder about the cohesion uh, with guys who haven't worked together before. I wonder if it wouldn't serve better to have just uh, the top rated crews as a whole. Um, I, I think that's a reasonable that's, opinion. That is a, is an interesting idea as opposed to an All Star crew, which it's obviously high. They all get rated um, individually, but. There's something to be said about a team. You know, the best teams aren't always made up of the most incredible players of their positions. You look at some of the teams in baseball who spent, you know, the Yankees and, and Red Sox over the years right. spent so much money. That doesn't mean they're going to win a championship. You know, this year, who do we have in the in the World Series? It was, you know, Kansas City and and uh, San Fran, right? Yes. You know, two smaller. San Francisco's a little bit bigger market now, but it's it's not the biggest markets always. It's the guys that play well together, and I wonder how that would work um, as far as referees so, go. So Mike has talked before about uh, you guys do scouting reports on crews. So like this week, you have Gene Steratore as your referee, but you can't really do a scouting report on the crew because it's not his crew, right? I'm sure they'll have something. They'll have something figured out. Gene is one of my favorites. Uh, is he? Yeah, and he's one of the best referee, like uh, sports referees. He, right. he refs he at a really at basketball at a really high level. I, I would, uh, I would say there's definitely potential there for him to be an NBA ref at some point. Because um, I think he's been moving up, 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 and now he's yeah, in. He does Big Ten? I think he does. I feel like twelve two or. Uh, he's up there. I know I've good. seen him do Big Ten games. But he's a talented, talented ref. And he'll he'll keep it fair. He should. Last one uh, goes to Rusty. It's a little longer. He says... Uh, is it an email question? It's not, it is. It's not 140 it characters. It is not. Uh, he wanted to qu- quote your friend Trent Dilfer. He says, Trent Dilfer had a great quote the, quote the other day. He said, you never go tactics, you never go talent, you always go culture. Somebody right now is brewing a really special culture, a really special mindset. They embrace the hard stuff. They're not overwhelmed by the chaos of the championship run. 
They're living in the moment. They're not looking ahead. Those types of things are almost always what you hear a championship team say, which we appreciate Rusty giving us that quote from him. Uh, Rusty's question is, how do you feel about your team's culture? Is it uh, is this a high priority for you and the other team leaders, and do the Packers have that special mindset this year for a Super Bowl run? Well, I think I mentioned some of that earlier when we were talking about uh, some of the guys who made contributions mm-hmm. this year. And uh, if you look at the uh, the team that won it in 2010, you know, we had some interesting personalities. You know, we had uh, Eric Walden and, and Dyrell Briggs come in uh, midseason. Howard Green uh, came over as he was driving in his in his car from New York to uh, Mississippi, was it, or Louisiana? Louisiana. Uh, and Howard was such a big personality, and he fits so well in our team. Uh, his actually first game back uh, in the league was against the Jets, and he went out and played great. Uh, and, and, you know, Packer fans will remember it was uh, it was him getting pressure on Ben that caused the uh, hitting his arm and the underthrow that Nick ran back for a touchdown. Um, but, you know, that's what it takes. Like I mentioned just a second ago, it's not always the – the, the team with the biggest talent. It's a team that plays the best together uh, and, and has that chemistry. And you can uh, you can definitely build some of that. A lot of it happens during training camp, but throughout the season you're building as, as well as you deal with adversity and the ups and downs of a season, uh, injuries, highs, lows, frustrations, disappointments, great success, dealing with success. And I think our team has done a good job of, in, in all those phases of learning about each other and, and learning about us as a collective, how we respond in certain, certain situations. Um, that's all fine and dandy, but it, you know, when it comes to the game Sunday and, and, and trying to move forward, it's about uh, how, do we, how do we put that all together uh, for one game? Because uh, you know, with the parity in this league and, and the way it's been set up, uh, anybody can beat anybody. But when you get in the playoffs, it's it's great team against great team. So in order to move on, you have to execute really well, and you have to stick together during the tough times. Dallas was down 14 nothing. Detroit had the ball and was moving. They came with a big stop and went down and, and uh, put together a, a long touchdown uh, catch and run that kind of got them right back in the game. Right. And a lot of times it's those momentum swings that you have to deal with, the highs and lows of that. That, uh, that help you to move on 17-7 at half. They get interception on the first play of the second half and then uh, get no points out of it. But you saw their team. They stuck together. They said, we can we can keep doing this. And that's that's what you have to deal with as a team. And uh, obviously they showed they can deal with the adversity. And I think we have, uh, over the entire season, dealt with the highs and lows. Um, just our last game is Detroit. You know, them coming back and tying it up and us going back out there. Defense, uh, you know, really uh, responded well, and the offense getting enough points to win the game. So it's going to be a good matchup. We look forward to it. We need our fans to bring it, be loud and proud, and, uh, and we're excited about uh, the opportunity to have a home game. We'll see what happens. If the Packers win, they will face either the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle or the Carolina Panthers back at Lambeau Field. they got to get through the Dallas Cowboys first. Either way, we will be here next week, perhaps talking about the NFC Championship game for this week. That's it for us. This has been the Aaron Rodgers Show.